Good morning, New City Church. I would like you to turn with me to your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 15 through 23. Romans 6, beginning at verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members to slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification." For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting in that time from the things of which you were now ashamed of? For the end of these things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's reading for us this morning. Let, uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Once again, your word is life. And as we often say, Lord, thank you. May your, your spirit now lead and guide us. And, and may we truly be open. Give us ears to hear what you would want to say to us. In your name we pray. Amen. I would like to begin this morning, I would like to begin with a story, with a story. A young couple wants to buy a house, and in their search, as they're searching a bit, they find one that catches their eye, but it's a bit, it's a bit run down, it has a lot of work, it needs a lot of work, it's a bit dilapidated and run down, but nevertheless they purchase it, and they become the owners of, of a new house, their house. And now as new owners, straight away they, they walk through their new house and they begin to assess what needs to be done. And as they're walking through, they realize that there might be a wall that needs to be removed here and there. Or maybe the bathroom needs to be remodeled or a floor, the floors need to be redone. But, but, that's, but it's no problem. It's no problem at all. They have time. And so they move into their new residence, and they begin the remodeling process. And again, they're in it for the long haul. It's all good. Now, believe it or not, this story is a little bit of the mega story in the Bible. God, the creator, redeems a dilapidated, run-down earth house, his earth, his creation, and begins to restore and to redeem and to make it into something beautiful. And now a big part of that story involves people. God redeems run-down, sinful people and makes them, restores them, and brings them into his possession. They become a treasured possession. They are bought with a price, and now he becomes their new 
owner, new landlord. He moves into their lives. He moves into their hearts. As a new owner, he moves into their the new property, uh, house, hearts, lives. Now, speaking figuratively, but God then moves in and he begins the transforming process in their lives. And God says, as he moves in, hmm, examples, hmm, your tongue, your language needs to be refined a little bit. We're going to work on that. As God moves in, as we become his treasured possession, he, he says, mercy, your, your, your coveting, your, your envy, your greed, your desires, mercy, they, they need to be rechanneled a bit, redirected a little bit. We're going to work on that too. And then your tendency to be so selfish. And then your tendency not to be joyful when you serve others. We're going to work on that too. See, see, I redeemed you to be people of hospitality. I redeemed you to be people of mercy, to be grace-driven and grace-driven and given, giving. And that's, that's what we're going to work on. So this whole process now, this process of restoration is, is what the Bible calls sanctification. Now that's a very big word, but sanctification is a lifelong process of becoming holier, becoming more and more like Jesus. God, God has taken residence in our lives, in our hearts. The word sanctification, interesting enough, means to become holy or in the process of being made holy. It means to be set apart, to be set apart. In sanctification, we're gradually becoming remodeled. God is remodeling us from the inside out to be more and more like him. In sanctification, God goes to work to clean and restore in us so that we can become beautiful, his beautiful image bearers, the process of sanctification. Now, I can just hear some of you say, Pastor Andy, um, what's all this talk about sanctification and restoration? Where where are we going? Well, in Romans 6, 7, and 8, the theme, believe it or not, is sanctification. The theme is this process, this idea of being restored or renewed. And we're working our way through Romans, and we're now in Romans 6. Let me recap for you very quickly where we've been. In Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3, the Apostle Paul said very, very clearly, he says that that all, all mankind is sinful. All are under condemnation and judgment. The house is in ruins. And then in chapter 3, the end of chapter 3 through chapter 5, he introduces a new word, justification. And that word, justification, what that means is God's acceptance of unacceptable people. It's a legal term that means declared not guilty. It's as if we had never sinned or done wrong. God pardons us. Now, what's truly amazing about this is that the Bible is very clear in Romans. Paul is very clear here that we are guilty, we are sinful, and that we cannot save ourselves. God does something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. He gives grace. He gives grace. Jesus took our place, our sin, our guilt, our judgment upon himself. 
upon himself. He shed his blood for the complete remission of our sins. He experienced the wrath of God and made atonement for us. In Jesus, we experience now new life, freedom, a new life, a new beginning. We are now under new management. New management. The Holy Spirit, God himself, comes into our lives, Paul says in Romans chapter 5. And so now what? Now what? At that very moment that we become a follower of Jesus Christ, are we beamed up into heaven like, you know, what we would see in those old Star Trek movies, beam me up, Scotty? (laughs) No, not at all. At the very moment that we become a believer in Christ, Bible would say, the Bible uses terms like born again or uh, the idea of born and made anew. At that very moment, at that time, the remodeling process begins in our lives. Sanctification begins. With justification, we are forgiven. With sanctification and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are made anew. And in the process of being renewed to be more and more like Christ. This house, this body, is now under new management. We're under construction. Sanctification is a beautiful term. God is renewing us, gradually restoring us to be his beautiful possession. And this is what chapter 6, 7, and 8 Romans is all about. It's really very interesting. Matter of fact, the word sanctification occurs two times in our text, in verses 19 and 22, and we'll, we'll get to that in, in, a, in a few moments. What Paul is doing here in chapter 6 is that he's addressing some of his critics. Some are saying, Paul, you're making salvation far too easy, far too easy. If grace is larger than sin... Why don't we just keep sinning so God can keep forgiving? Their motto is, let's keep sinning. Let's live in debauchery. Let's live as we please because God has us covered. God has us covered. Sin is greater, so less we can sin. God's grace covers us. Paul says, in part, you really don't understand the gospel of grace. You have come under new management. You are under new management now. You have a new owner. The old owner, the old management has been put to death. Sin and death has been put to death. You now belong to a new owner, Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, the one who rose victoriously from the grave. You now belong to him and his life Union with him lives in you. He is God. He is gracious. He is good. And so Paul is saying, and I paraphrase now again, why would you want to go back? Why would you want to go back to the old management of sin? It was evil, and you were a wreck. Don't you understand your new identity in Christ? Don't you understand who you now are? You've been rescued from sin, from death, and from hell. The risen Lord now lives in you. Why would you now deliberately want to offend your new master? 
And so this is where we find ourselves in Romans 6, verse 15. I know some of you are saying, my, Pastor Andy, it took you about 10 minutes to get to our text. But here we are, verse 15. Verse 15 reads very much like verse 1. We read in verse um, 1, we are we to continue to sin that grace may abound. And in verse 15 we read, are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace. For all intents and purposes, these statements are very, very similar, very similar. Paul's critics are saying, if grace supersedes the law, why keep the law? Again, why not just keep sinning so God can keep forgiving? I need to inject something here uh, at, at this point. When it comes to my preaching, people usually respond in three different ways. One, good point, Andy. Number two, I think that was a good point, Andy. I think I'm following. Number three, I missed the point, Andy. I missed it. Now, it's interesting, in my ministry years, people have responded in many ways the same way to Paul's writings. Paul's writings. Many times when you write and read Paul, many times, most of the time, good point, Paul. Good point, I get it. Number two, I think that was a good point, Paul. Number three, you lost me, Paul. You lost me. And that is what's happening, too, I think, in Romans chapter 6. Again, the response to Paul here in this chapter, good point. I think it was a good point. I missed the point. Many people struggle with the terminology in chapter 6, especially in this section with the use of the word slaves. Paul uses this word eight times in this section, eight times. Now, perhaps we can understand the term slaves to sin. Perhaps we get that little phrase, the idea that we're in bondage to slave sin to the works of sin, that we have no rights at all, that we are have, have no way of escape. But Paul uses that very same phrase, slaves, and now he says we who have united to Christ, the one crucified and risen, he says we are slaves to righteousness, verses 18 and 19. We are slaves to God, verse 22. Slaves in bondage to God? Bondage? This terminology is just strange to us. I believe the answer lies, at least part of it, lies in verse 16. Paul, in verse 16, makes a very general observation. What he says here is that everyone is a slave to something or to someone. No one is neutral in this. No one is really autonomous, not at all. Everyone has a master, an owner, an idol, and everyone will serve that master. Paul says, that is the way it is. Yes, we do. That's the way we're wired. And so Paul is saying here, who do you want as your master? You cannot serve two masters. Jesus said that in the Gospels. You cannot serve two masters, only one. And so Paul is saying here, if it is sin, notice verse 19, you serve, interestingly, he says, impurity and lawlessness and even more lawlessness. 
And then notice the outcome. Verse 23 is the outcome to this passage, the antithesis between the two roads that we live in and two lives that we can live in. He says, if, if, if sin is your master, the outcome is death. It's what you earn. The wages of sin is death. And you will be paid in full <laughs> judgment and condemnation. However, believers in Christ have a new master, have a new master. They're in a new management. And Paul says in verse 23 that that we who are in Christ have received this gift, a free gift of God, a free gift. And now we serve a new master. We serve a new master. Now, Paul is saying something very unique here. Paul is saying we have really no choice No choice but to serve God. If he is our master, the owner of the house, we are here to do his bidding. Believers are not autonomous. Christians are not autonomous. We are here now to serve our Lord, our master. We're here to please him, to do his bidding. So again now, a summary, my paraphrase of this whole section. Once again, Paul is saying, if you experience God's grace, why would you want to go back to the old management? Why and why, if you experience God's grace and his love, the free gift of grace, why would you deliberately want to offend him? And so Paul is saying to his critics, your questions really are really very ridiculous. They're, they're, they make no sense. Now that you belong to God, you're in and part of his possession, and he is, he is remodeling you and changing you. Um, he's doing activity in your life. He is there for your good. He's a good master. He's a gracious master. He is life. He gives life. One wants to stay here. One wants to stay in this place. Some additional, some additional thoughts now on sanctification here. Number one, as I mentioned earlier, the word sanctification occurs in two different places in our text. Verse 19, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. And then verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Some translators have the word holiness instead of sanctification. It's the same Greek word. And so what Paul is saying here, believers are set apart to be sanctified, to be holy, to become more like Jesus. In 1 Peter 1, um, Peter even says, he's quoting God from the Old Testament, where God says, be holy as I am holy. Interesting enough, we're set apart to be like God, to be like Jesus, to serve like him. Now, we're not saved by good works. We're saved to do good works. Ephesians 2, verse 10 is very clear. You are his workmanship, or for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God transforms us through the power of the Holy Spirit by serving or for serving, we become more and more Christ-like by serving. Now, Bible reading and Bible study and prayer 
oh, are very important. Please hear me. They're very, very important. But we have been created and recreated in Christ to be servants. Faith without works, James says in the book of James, is dead. Christian maturity in our lives will never happen without sacrificial service on our part. I love the words of Paul in Philippians uh, 2 where he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is in yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind. Have this mind um, among yourselves. And then Paul says, this mind is just Jesus. He took the form of a servant. The mind that we are to have in Christ, the form of a servant. Number two, sanctification involves our participation too. And now this can get a bit tricky. Saving grace is all God's work. Please hear me as one of your pastors. Saving grace is all God's work in and through Jesus Christ. Our redemption, our justification, our being declared right, pardoned from sin, all God's work in our lives. Jesus paid the price. We have no reason to boast, Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 9, no reason to boast. However, now, in Romans 6, verse 19, Paul says we are to present our members as slaves of righteousness. We have a part to play in the remodeling process. Last week, Pastor Ryan mentioned this in verse 13, Romans 6, 13. Do not present your members, do not present something we do. Do not present your members to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members, uh, and your members to God, no, excuse me, missed a line. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to, to life, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. In Christ, we have been set free to serve. Paul mentions that little phrase, set free, a number of times in our text. It's as if the Holy Spirit energizes us in power to act in the right, and we can, in and for him. We have responsibility in the sanctification process. It is God's presence in our lives. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit and his power working in our lives. But we join him in the work. We join him in the work. We present willfully and knowingly our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. We present our all to him in this endeavor. And so, by faith, we intentionally present ourselves, offer ourselves to keep in step with the Spirit, to do works of righteousness, to be righteous. We act in faith. We do that. We act in faith. So what does this look like in real life? This idea of presenting our members to God for righteousness. What does this look like in real life? Someone gossips about a sister in Christ. At that very moment, at that very moment, I can give in to the flesh and join the conversation, or I can say, and sense the Spirit prompting, to say, no, I'm only going to say and speak words of grace. I'm only going to use words that build up my sister in Christ. Someone 
Someone asks me to help and I have time. That's the key here to this little example. Someone asks me to help and I have time, but out of selfishness and because I really don't want to, I think of an excuse, oh, not now, I'm busy. Or at that very moment, I can say, I'm in, count on me. Someone uses a racist remark. At that very moment, I can remain silent. It's the sin of omission and say nothing or prompting of the spirit again to say every person, every human being is created in the image of God. They have dignity and worth. God's worth or worth, excuse me, in God's eyes is not about ethnicity and about, um, about skin color. So the Holy Spirit, number four, the Holy Spirit prompts us to give generously to a Christian cause. At that very moment, at that very moment, I can resist or trust God with our finances. We share in God's work. We yield our members to God as instruments of righteousness. We read in Scripture again and again these words that Paul says to Timothy, we are told to fight the good fight, we are told to run the race, we are told to finish the course. As we yield more and more to God, to His Spirit and to His Word, God transforms us more and more to be Christ-like. Number three, sanctification and holiness uh, strangely interpreted by some. There are some who who think of this word holiness or the idea to be sanctified, the idea of someone, you know, picking up their Bible, going out to a solitary place or to the desert, and then there for a long, long time, and they're and they're very, or they think very holy. Or the opposite extreme, maybe just some people can be really holy. Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, the average Christian can never really reach that status. But Paul says no. No, he says, every believer, he's addressing every believer in this letter, every believer in Christ is able to be holy. In Christ is holy in in the process of being holy. Holiness is about acts of kindness and service. Jesus, it's really practical, Jesus placed little children on his lap where to be like him. And so when we place little children on our lap, when we are teaching children about Christ, when we're pointing them to the Savior, and when we're teaching discipleship to the little ones, our little ones, we're being holy. We're being holy. Remarkable, when we refuse to gossip, we're being holy. When we refuse to be racist, we're being holy. When we refuse to be uh, selfish with time and with our money, we're being holy. We are yielding our members to God as members of righteousness, instruments of righteousness. Number four, sanctification is hard work. Hard work, and it's a, a long process. From the moment that I become a follower in Christ to the very moment that God takes me home, God is restoring and 
renewing, and God is uh, working in me. I am under construction. If I am alive, physically alive, God is not done with me yet, and he will never stop the remodeling process. And now this is very important. The Spirit, God's Spirit, His Spirit in me will never let me tolerate sin or imperfections in me. I belong to him. He's the owner of this house, this person, this body. He will never tolerate sin, so he'll always be at work. Now, we're tempted at times to give up. We will be tempted to give up, but he will never give in. He will never let us go. He's in it for the long haul. Now, this is really difficult in our culture, culture of instant gratification, uh, culture of quick fixes, This can be very, very difficult. We often are seduced by shortcuts. (laughs) We, 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 when we think of change, we want change to happen fast and now. And we can fall into this too as Christian people very quickly. We, we can think that, you know, this, 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 this book or this, this retreat, this weekend retreat or this up and coming conference, this is it. This is it. Eureka. I found it. I'm sanctified. I'm really spiritual. But usually it doesn't work that way. Now, these are all steps, perhaps, in the process of sanctification. However, growth and transformation in God, in Christ, God, is usually layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of grace over time layer upon layer of grace over time. Sinful ruts and practices are hard to break. Restarts and do-overs are common. We need grace, we need patience, we need determination, but thankfully God will never give up on us. His grace and loving kindness, His mercy are new every morning. And fifth, now lastly, when we think about sanctification here, gratitude is the motive. Gratitude is the motive for being slaves to God and for his work in our lives. Paul mentions this in verse 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart. He rescued us from sin And from ruined decay, he flipped the house. I think all of us have watched this TV program from time to time, flip this house. He's flipped this house. He's he's remodeling it, but he'll never sell it. He'll never let it go. He's flipped this house, this person, this believer, this, this person, Andy. He's flipped it but he'll never let me go. Our new master is none other than God himself, a God full of grace. We are his and he is ours. Again, in conclusion, yes, we're under construction, but we are God's beautiful possession. Yes, we are. And he is making something new. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, dear Lord, thank you for the gift of life in Christ. Thank you that that you have declared us not guilty. 
and that we have become your children. But it doesn't stop there. You, you, Lord, you continue to live in us and through us. And you, Father, will never tolerate the imperfections in our lives. You, with your Holy Spirit, will continue to desire to renew us and so that we'll become more and more Christ-like. Father God, we pray with your Spirit, please, figuratively speaking, walk through us. Walk in us, through us. Point out areas in our lives that need to be remodeled, changed. Oh, Father, if there are blind spots to, to and in our lives that we're not aware of, please show them to us. Show them to us so that we can repent of them and, and give these areas over to you as well. Father God, our desire is to become more and more like you. Thank you again for your grace. Lead and guide us the fruits of righteousness that we may have and be instruments of righteousness for you, to serve you, to make your name glorious, to make your name great. In your name we pray. Amen.